and welcome to the Business of Data podcast. I'm your host, Catherine King, and it's a pleasure to have you join us today. In this series, we'll be speaking to senior data analytics leaders to share their experiences, challenges, and insights. Let's go ahead and dive straight into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Business of Data podcast. Today, we're going to be diving into the depths of data culture and data management and the relationship between the two. And to dive into this fantastic topic, we thought we'd bring in Laura Han, who is the Director of Enterprise Data Management from TD Ameritrade. So to give a bit of an introduction to Laura, she has over two decades of experience in data management roles in companies including Target, US Bank, KPMG, just to name a few. As TD Ameritrade's Director of Enterprise Data Management, she leads a 30-strong team and oversees a risk-based governance program. She's also launched a client master data management platform to drive data centricity at the financial service company. Now, Laura also believes strongly that leading with empathy, curiosity, transparency, and empowerment helps to get the very best of her colleagues and professional relationships. Wowee, what an introduction. Hi there, Laura. Hello, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, as is the theme with all of my podcast episodes, I like to dive in with a bit of a nosy question first. And my question for you is when I was browsing on your LinkedIn earlier, I, I noticed that you, you had right there at the start of your bio that you believe in leading with that empathy, curiosity, transparency and empowerment. Now, did you have a mentor that had a similar leadership style that you thought, yeah, that's the right way to do it? Or did you arrive at this approach via some other route? Yeah, that's a great question. I recently did a lot of thinking about this to, to write that statement. Uh, and I would say it's a combination of experiences with different leaders, a personal exploration of what my voice is, um, and then some experimentation. And so through all of that, I really identified what feels authentic as my brand um, and has also resonated with my team and others. So it's a process. Absolutely. And it's certainly been something that I've heard quite a lot in the recent times where emotions are so high, stress levels are up, no matter what industry mm -hmm. we're talking about. COVID has certainly brought about um, a very different type of work environment for many people. So actually leading with empathy now, I think, is more prominent than ever before, because you're not only having to think about people's work life, but also family, friends, health and all of those combinations. So I think you're on the on the path to success success already by, uh, by leading in that way. Awesome. Let's get into the meat and bones of it then. So you have achieved a great deal over the course of your six-year tenure at TD Ameritrade, I think it's fair to say. Would you please start by telling me a bit about the company's data management journey that you have, have been on and that you've seen? Absolutely. A journey is a great way to describe it. It's got a lot of twists and turns. Uh, started about eight years ago when our, our COO at the time initiated um, a real uh, investment in data capabilities um, and wanted to bring in a whole host of things around big data, data science, data governance quality. We all know the list, right? All those capabilities. Um, and I think what uh, the first, first stage of the journey taught us is it's challenging to right out of the gate, launch all of those at the same time. And I think every aspect, 
every corner of those data capabilities um, had to go through, I would say, two to three cycles of, of iteration, uh, making sure they were really attached to the company's use cases, that we were staffed and selecting right products, and that we were building up relationships with stakeholders. So, you know, we started eight years ago, but you see some reincarnation of things. Yes. Uh, during that time as we tried and, and failed and tried again and failed and tried again but the failure always teaches you something right and so i would say you know we we see a lot of those capabilities much more mature and instantiated now that i think and i think it's a bit different for each one if you take our big data platform we sort of mm -hmm. finally figured out where it's appropriate to use that when you look at data science ai ml we finally hit on the use cases that work best for us. Right. Um, and then, you know, for the, mainly for me in the past year for data governance, how do we actually operate a successful data governance program? Um, and, and they all are applied in different ways now. It's not one big centralized initiative. Mm -hmm. Each one has had to find its way. So how did you then, so you, you, you've hit the nail perfectly on the head. You had so much that you wanted to do. You, you know, you come in full of passion. How do you then go by listing off what one, what one you want to focus on first and then second? That priority order must have been quite challenging to do because you want to run at it full pace, you want to get it all done, but that's just not practical. So what did you do to prioritize those capabilities? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I think, and you, you'll probably hear this theme throughout the conversation, you really have to understand what problems your business wants to solve. Mm -hmm. and then match that up with the data management capability that is most correlated to solving that problem um, and then bring that solution to the table. So I, I think, um, for example, data science um, and advanced analytics um, found some footing very early on. Um, and there was a lot of interest in that, right? Everybody wants all that juicy, those juicy insights. Um, something like, I would say, a data catalog right, is something that's happened much more recently. That mm -hmm. one took a lot longer because it feels like documentation, right? Yeah. I would say sexier tends to get started sooner. I'm glad you said it because that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking about. That it's always the shiny, sexy things and, and the more kind of mundane and the ones right. that make you go a bit like, oh, yeah, we've got to do it, but I'm not sure it wants to be the right. top of my list. Yeah, um, I'm not sure I would, I would say the, the sexy scale is a great prioritization mechanism. That's maybe a strange, but I, I think it is all about the the appetite in your company to mm -hmm. up to adopt those capabilities and yeah. bring them into the norms of the of the firm um, and participate and engage with those capabilities. And it will depend on the value that they see in them. And so if you can lay that out ahead of time, that's great. It gives you a bit of a roadmap. Sometimes you can stand them all up, but you just may not be as active in some as you are in others. Absolutely. And I love, I love that for you, that business value is right at the start of that conversation, as opposed to kind of assessing it from your, from your own perspective in, in data and then going, how can we match this to business? It's actually taking both of those in the same conversation right at the start to make sure you're completely aligned. I think that's fantastic. Now, on that point of um, on, on culture, how crucial do you think it is to have a positive data and technology culture in an organization? 
It's, it's essential. Uh, I've been part of both data and technology um, mm -hmm. transformations. And, you know, the real key, I think the real barrier that um, is pretty common to get over first is building trust. Um, you know, the business has to trust that your, your technology or your data organization is going to deliver for you. Mm -hmm. They're, they're going to place a bet on you, right? I'm going I'm to become dependent on you to help me. And so you have to build that trust, um, whether it's you're going to deliver me the technical, technical solutions I need, or you're going to give me the data that I need or fix or manage the data that I'm dependent on. So given how uh, pretty much any industry is becoming tech-driven and digital, mm -hmm. um, no one can really do a job without data and technology anymore. And so if there are some fundamental trust issues or brokenness in those relationships, it's going to show up yeah. in the culture of the company uh, and ultimately, I think, in the results of the company. So absolutely critical. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, as you've said that being data driven is is almost taken for granted now because it's just the assumption that all organizations and enterprises should be. But as you say, if there is that distrust in the teams, the processes, the data itself, if you, mm -hmm. you know, you, you see headlines um, about, you know, dirty data and, you know, and then you look further down the lines at capabilities for machine learning and AI and, you know, having those thoughts and feelings about data can really impact then the the work that you're actually able to do with it because if you don't trust it chances are you're not going to go full into it to what you can Absolutely. do so let's let's take a, a bit of a step back and look at the kind of maturity scale how mature would you say the organization is with their data culture now compared to when you first joined the company if you could kind of just talk through that journey well this is um there are so many aspects of of data culture. Um, so I think it, obviously when I first joined, the company was in a similar place as, as many companies, right? I would describe it as low maturity, but very high on aspiration okay. um, and a lot of interest. Um, and so it's grown, I would say, through th three things. Um, one is the macro environment. Um, influence. And I think many companies are influenced, right? You see your competitors becoming data-driven, so you want to be data-driven too, right? You don't want to get caught on your back foot um, not making advances in this space, even if you're not sure what it is. You can see that everyone's doing it. Um, second, I think when, when leadership changes in a company and you bring in leaders who've had some experience with being in a data-driven culture, they bring that with them. Right, and they start to expect that of their team. Mm -hmm. So, um, not that we had more turnover than anybody else, but just sometimes new people bringing new perspectives starts to change the dynamic. Yeah. And then third, um, we saw a lot of teams really hire a lot of people who were data savvy, and so that also creates, um, I would say, a kind of a bottoms up mm -hmm. uh, shift in a culture when individuals talking to individuals are talking in a data-centric way. Um, and so those are all dynamics that don't necessarily come from an enterprise data management team in an official culture change. Yeah. Um, but those factors certainly help. And then, you know, obviously, you know, our role is to really teach the firm how to behave with data. And so those things all coming together 
have have really lifted our maturity as a result of our efforts, but also just the changing yeah. uh, company environment and then our macroeconomic climate. I think I think what I love about data culture, whenever I have conversations about culture, is it's so subtle. It's it's conceptual. You you can't you can't touch it, but you know the minute you walk into an enterprise that is data driven you can feel it you can that there, there are identify you know there's things you can identify there's dashboards people can understand there's a level of literacy and you know like you like we said in the beginning trust as well but as you say just hiring people hiring talent that have a level of data literacy and you know have that expectation as well as the executive board as well you're, you're generating that culture without necessarily thinking about it maybe consciously but it's in the background kind of working away so i'm i'm keen keen to know um you know you mentioned there about having executives come in and um kind of leading with a data-driven work uh, approach what would be your advice to someone who's perhaps under an executive who isn't as data-driven what would be your kind of advice to to help them on their way of of developing a data culture well, I think um, I, I, I think about it as, as converting aspiration to reality um, and understanding what's important to that leader and, and that team, and then illustrating for them how data is the answer or is part of the answer mm -hmm. to whatever problem they want to solve or whatever initiative they want to be successful. And so you have to really put it in their terms. You have to translate data capabilities into the language that they understand. It's sort of like, uh, you know, if you have a pet or if you have a dog, you take the, the medicine and you put it in the peanut butter. You know, you have to um, sort of tuck it in. Mm -hmm. I think where I've seen challenges with trying to convince leadership is staying in our data management uh, jargon. And, right. and selling things in our jargon the way we talk not to speaking other, the right language. professionals right if you're not speaking their language then they won't see the connection between they, they think you're just kind of retrofitting your solution to their problem right you have to lead with their problem and say well you know i think we can deliver x y and z and they may not realize behind the scenes that those are really data solutions absolutely Absolutely. So thinking culture, thinking in the same way that we were talking about um, you as, as a collaborative person. Now you, as we said in the introduction, have been involved in many boards and committees over the last few years. What is it about working in this cohesive and collaborative way that you believe is very important to an organisation and to your teams? Yeah, I, I would say two things. Um, one thing uh, that I've heard at multiple companies and, and where we often find ourselves as data management professionals is sitting in an enterprise chair. And I think most companies struggle to do things that are enterprise because right. everyone owns it, which sometimes means no one owns it. And so you have to find a way to create some functional structure around that. So if you want to do things enterprise, you have to get comfortable with this, with this uh, type of working. Uh, the second thing to me is that collaboration is sort of like, I've been thinking a lot about this lately in different mm. styles of leadership, that collaboration, collaborative leadership is more like um, having people sitting around a circular table 
where everyone is coming in with sort of an equivalent level of power influence instead of what I think of as like a rectangular table, right? Where there's like a leader at one end. Yeah. And so it can be sort of uncomfortable for people to have, uh, to be either elevated to this level of equality at the table or they're accustomed to being in the position of power at the table. Um, But I find that what it does is pull in all the voices that you really need. If you're going to solve something that's previously been unsolvable, it's yeah. usually because there's a voice that was missing. And so the circular table makes sure all those voices get heard and the answer or solution is ultimately workable for everybody. I absolutely love that. And just from that, how have you found, because I'm assuming you have at some point been remote based over the last few months, how has that collaboration translated to online and digital? Because I'm imagining when you're saying circular table, I'm literally imagining you guys sat down in an office and being very collaborative. Is that the case that that's how it was? Or were you, uh, you know, fairly uh, dispersed anyway? We were really dispersed. Uh, TD Ameritrade has several corporate locations. Yeah. Uh, so we were already doing a lot of things with uh, WebEx. We live, we just live and breathe WebEx and we, we were like that previously. So in that regard, I think we've just leaned in even more to those tools. Um, we certainly miss some of the relationship building mm-hmm. and just interpersonal um, interaction that helps you understand people or some of those side conversations where you really get insight into what people care about that part i definitely miss um but for for the most part it's been about as smooth as 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 you could hope for in this environment Absolutely. Well, I think that's a great key learning, though, that this sort of collaborative work and, um, you know, kind of thinking board and committee work can still occur in these turbulent times. And it's certainly not a time to be pushing that to the side and actually probably a time to be increasing that level, because as you as you said, quite rightly, it's a case of working through challenges that you perhaps haven't been able to before. And with challenges coming left, right and centre at the moment, that sounds like a great method of, of working through those. Now, I'm keen to move the conversation forward. Now, I really would love to know about this um, client's master data management platform. Um, How does it help your team to dive deeper into client client centricity and support the business with total relationship views? Yeah, that's a great question. This is this is another one that's been a journey. We've tried this a couple of times. Um, and for us, the roots of it really lie in, in our business model. So our business is um, brokerage, right? People come yep. to TD Ameritrade, they open an account, they put money in it, and then they transact. And they're managing their financial life. And so, um, so what client is to us is um, as clients open that second account or third account or help family members with their accounts, Um, you know, you start to get a view into how they're managing their money across multiple accounts. And so the journey for us has been about moving from account centricity, right? Servicing at the account level to really understanding the client and all of the money that they have some sort of responsibility for and what their overall goals are um, for their accounts and then also a layer above client, which we would call household. 
because that's again how most of us manage our money we're part of we're part of a family unit or a part of a community where we're managing money and so um so our mdm journey was really about extracting insights from that account base and really identifying the eyes and the nose and the heartbeat mm -hmm. of who's sitting at the keyboard who's on the phone with us and what do they care about and so that required doing doing what we would consider traditional mdm sorts of activities match yeah. merge survivorship golden mm -hmm. copy but for us it's about um, identifying the roles all of these people are playing on financial accounts so um, we're still i would say early in this journey um, but we do have some some internal users um, you know and it's really helped us uh, get a deeper understanding of the universe of people interacting with the firm fantastic now we kind of touched on it earlier but i know when we talk about new solutions and platforms oftentimes there's a challenge of employee data literacy you can have a platform but that doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be used to its full potential so was that the case for you was there any challenge around data literacy um if so how, how have you been overcoming it yeah, I, th I think this was another case uh, where we have to drop the data. We had to drop the data management jargon, you know, going around and selling people uh, a single source of truth or a mm -hmm. uh, mastered, you know, client record that doesn't mean anything to them. Yeah. Right. So we really had to work on examples and actually draw from the data itself examples of, you know, I'll just throw in my own name, right? Like, we have Laura Hahn. How many accounts does Laura Hahn have with us? Look at all the things that she's doing and, yeah. and actually illustrate. Previously, we only knew this about Laura. After using this platform, look at the, look at the insights we have about Laura um, to show them maybe opportunities they were missing by not using the information. Um, so it just rinse and repeat, right? Example after example, mm -hmm. befores and afters. Um, really helped us um, explain explain it to them and then also again understanding what they're trying to do because if just yeah matching laura doesn't change how any of them do their jobs it didn't matter so you have to identify whose whose day-to-day -day job would actually change if they knew this information who would do that job differently who would make a better sale or cross sell mm -hmm. who would change the marketing material they send you have to find those people because that's where the value is actually tucked away absolutely i love that the kind of two key points i've taken away from that is actually having the key people understand the power that is quite literally at their fingertips in order to be used but then also making sure that those are the right things that you want them to be able to have access to in a sense of is it actually helpful and i think sometimes having those simple questions is sometimes the most uh interesting and insightful as it can be is does this actually help you um because it's it's great to have these wonderful fancy dashboards and platforms but at the end of the day if they don't get used or they don't help the business is it you know is it as great as it is it can look um which is absolutely absolutely fantastic now if you could give um i, I always like to think that there's a, a the third person on our podcast as the as the token audience member now if you could give them a piece of advice um looking to set up something similar um in their organization what would you say 
Well, you really have to figure out the, the why you want to do it that's specific to your organization. And um, just as a, you know, I mentioned this a couple of times, but um, especially if you're at the beginning of the journey, I think you have to be careful of borrowing another company's why. Uh, you have to be careful of pulling out of a textbook how this is supposed to go. And you really have to be willing to start with the company's strategy and the company's initiatives and map those to data capabilities and be willing for that to look different than any other company you know about. Uh, we, can all, we can all share ideas with each other um, but one, one trap I think we fall in sometimes is, you know, somebody else is doing this, so that must mean yeah. I should do it too. And, and I, I just think that that's a bit of a pitfall. If you, if you are willing to have, have to just have the courage to define this journey your own way in your own company that is totally tailored to the service of your organization, that is the pathway to success. Absolutely. I, I love that idea as well, that it's not a copy paste exercise. It's a take whatever. So if you're listening to this podcast or another piece of content, take that user case, learn from it, but then apply it to your own organization appropriately. It's not going to be a copy paste exercise because there's going to be nuances and differences that, um, you know, no, no two companies are the same. I think that's a really great, really great takeaway. So I'm looking at my clock in front of me and I know I'm going to need to start winding down this conversation, even though I'm adamant we could go for hours here. So looking to the future, what sorts of innovation uh, are you keeping your eyes on at the moment and where do you think you're going to be going in the next six to 12 months? Uh, in, in the data space specifically? Yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, uh, the listeners to the podcast may, may know we're, um, we're approaching an integration with Charles Schwab. Um, so that has really dominated our plans and our landscape. So I think doing an integration of two companies of this size into really a, just a highly competitive financial firm, mm -hmm. that integration process is going to require innovation um, to, to be successful, uh, especially around data, because there's a massive amount of information to integrate successfully. And anybody who's done a merger knows that not taking care of the data will haunt you for many years <laughs> in an integration. So how do we bring uh, you know, our data together and how do we bring, bring the best of our data capabilities from TDA and Schwab together? Uh, we'll be working through questions like that. Um, yeah. And then how do we support the client experience throughout and data knowing, knowing information about both sets of clients is going to be critical um, to manage their, the client experience throughout. So if I think about where do we need to innovate and which of those very tailored business, business problems, right, does data need to focus on? It's what data needs to be available to whom as we go through a tremendous amount of transformation. And so um, that, that's really going to be our focus in the next six to 12 months. Fantastic. I just love that somehow we've managed to have this whole theme throughout the entire discussion about that collaboration. And I think, as you say, with that merger, collaboration is definitely going to be key. So my last question to you today, Laura, is for the listeners that have joined us for this podcast, what would you say are your three most important takeaways from this conversation about data culture and data management? 
Yeah, I think that's the top three things I, I still remind myself. Um, number one is to cater to your organization, not others, right? Or a textbook, right? Cater to your organization. Number two, make it relatable. Translate our language into the language of the business. Translate it into terms they understand. We've done that a lot and it's really helped us. And then third, um, solve problems. And specifically what I mean by that is find, we say move the needle, right? Find a needle you can move, right? Because that will help demonstrate to people that you're willing to roll up your sleeves and dig into their issues and help them move that needle. That goes a long way towards building confidence with other teams when they see you really getting in there and, and meaning what you say when you commit to solving problems, you're showing evidence that you're willing to do it. Absolutely. And what a great note to finish this episode on. Laura, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I, I love podcasts. I love this medium. So you're helping me uh, accomplish some of my bucket list here too by being on So <laughs> thank wonderful. you so much for doing this. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, Laura did a fantastic job of summarizing the key takeaways from this podcast. But for me, the real message that I've received is just about communication. If you're able to communicate in an effective way to your executive board and to the wider business, there's nothing stopping you when it comes to data culture and data management. As always, make sure you are subscribed to the Business of Data platform and following us on socials as well so that you're first in line for our insights and content. Until next time, thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you real soon.